this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be reviewing the quarterfinal against Bayer Leverkusen in the Europa League. We'll be previewing the semifinal of the Europa League. We'll be discussing with Sheridan Bird from Juve TV, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, on sempreinter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. Uh, we will keep doing these podcasts as promised as long as Inter's hopes in the Europa League are alive and they seem to live for another week, or at least they will live for another week. Now, how long they will live next week remains to be seen as there's a semi final that needs to be played. But before we get to that, let me introduce our panelists. Uh, our good friend, the preview writer at Semprinter.com, Mr. Mohamed Nasser. How are you, Mo? I'm very happy, and I hope I'm making everyone believe in uh, the dream. European yes. silverware. No, I mean, you've been spot on about it. You were the first one who said second place and Europa League title. And after everything that happened, I, I, I've, I've jumped on that train, especially after what happened with Conte and the Atalanta game. But let's, uh, we'll, we'll get into all of that. Um, and we're also joined by a good friend from London, a boiling hot London, apparently, Mr. William Beckman. Hello, Nima. Yes, we're in the 30s. We're not used to it. We're all struggling, but uh, <laughs> we're getting on with it. I'm happy because I've got the Europa League theme stuck in my head. Um, oh, well. I've yeah. got it as well, but I've got Marco Violi singing it in my head. Okay. <laughs> I can't quite match that. But so the, <laughs> no. the important thing is that the Europa League is prolonging not only interseason, but our season. So yes, thank you, it is. Thank you it for is. that. Yes, thank you very much for that, Inter. And we're also joined by our good friend, Reverend Mike, the deputy editor of The Athletic in Dallas, uh, Dallas, Texas. Welcome back, Mike. Thanks for having me, boys. Uh, I will see the hot temperatures in London that Will is going with, <laughs> and I will raise you every day of my life in Texas. Yeah, but it's not fair because you live in Texas and, and you're prepared for it. Um, there, this is true. There, we're, we're not prepared for this in Sweden or in, in the UK. Um, right, and we're also joined by a special guest. Uh, he used to commentate for the World Feed on the Serie A World Feed, uh, and now he's on Juve TV. Mr. Sheridan Bird, welcome back. Hello, it's a pleasure to be here. Hello, people of Inter. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Commentator from the good people of Fiat. Um, I would like to start right there. This, uh, you know, you you were, are, are, are quite, you know, have been in the headlines, not just because they won the Scudetto, but the manner in which uh, they lost the Champions League uh, round of 16 against, or was it quarterfinal even, uh, against, uh, no, it was the round of 16, against, against, um, uh, Leon and then Leon. yes, Leon and then Maurizio Sarri getting sacked and then of all people, Andrea Pirlo. Not that I doubt his footballing knowledge, but the fact that he's never even coached the day of his life after having got his coaching badges. Um, I'm really keen to hear how the talk is. Well, from 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 someone who works for you, right? What's your perspective on all this? Well, look, Nima. First of all, I've got to say that it's you know what I do is it's fairly periphery. It's not as if I'm not in the meetings with Agnelli and Paracci, <laughs> in case you're wondering. No. Um, although my Italian accent is probably better than Nedved's. Um, but the, the, the truth is, um, it's it's an interesting one. The Champions League, I commentated on the Champions League exit. Uh, uh, as you alluded to, I commentate, I'm the English language commentator. 
the Juventus uh, TV, and I was shocked because when Cristiano Ronaldo, with his left foot, scored that absolute rocket to make it 2-1, it was 59 minutes on the clock. So you don't need to be a mathematician to realise that half an hour plus additional time, the Juventus had 36 minutes to score a single goal. And I, I thought they would. So I was quite shocked. Obviously, the board, the directors were very, very shocked. The fans, I would say, were shocked and quite disgusted. And poor old Maurizio Sarri, I'm one of his few fans, you know, in, in, in northern Italy. Poor old Maurizio Sarri paid the ultimate price. And, and in stepped um, Andrea Pirlo, which is a fascinating appointment. It is, it is a fascinating appointment for many reasons, because the fact that he was appointed as coach of Juve's under-23 side just 11 days ago, this is the 11th of August when we're recording this, um, and he must have done a hell of a job in those 11 days, or seven days prior to him being appointed. No, but seriously, what, what, <laughs> I mean, what... what, what silly Neymar. <laughs> yes, silly, silly me, silly Billy. No, but seriously, what I mean, what I mean, what, what are your expectations going into the ne- into ne- into next season? I mean, what what can we expect from 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 Pirlo and 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 Juve? Do you think? As soon as the announcement was made, I thought one thing. I thought they'd been very intelligent, and I will explain why. Yes, because because if he becomes their Guardiola or their Zidane, i.e., next season they win in style and they go far in the Champions League and they even win it, everyone will say, what a what an inspired appointment, fantastic, they've unearthed the gem. If it goes a bit wrong, they'll probably move him out quietly this time next year. And then I think they will hire a very famous name. I think they would, the dream is still Pep Guardiola, but I think maybe mm. also Maurizio Pochettino would, uh, would go down well with his uh, Piemonte heritage. So I think... Um, Add to that the fact that his salary, um, you know, compared to normal people, obviously not compared to you, Nima, but his salary is relatively low. <laughs> uh, I think they, I think it's a masterstroke, and you know, I, I'm, I'm honestly saying that from the football fan, not anything to do with the fact that you know I, I do commentaries for them. I just think it's a really clever plan because he won't cost them loads. They're paying Maurizio Sarri off something like 21 million pounds uh, to, to get rid of him. And if, if, if it goes wrong, if it doesn't work out, if he becomes their Clarence Seedorf or their Pippo Inzaghi at Milan, they'll just move him out in the summer and get someone massive in. If it goes well, it's an unexpected bonus and he'll get a huge raise this time next year. Yes, that's a good point. Um, I was, uh, I, 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 th- I mean, but the only thing is that this is Juve usually. I mean, I agree with you in the sense, in the sense that Juve are, you know, they always, you know, they're very unceremonious about rejuvenation and rebuilding their squad. But I'm not, I can't really remember them ever appointing a coach. I mean, it's Pirlo, it's Pirlo, of course, as you said, he can if he turns out to be their Zidane or or um, Pep Guardiola, it's a masterstroke. But it is an exciting uh, uh, um, an, uh, appointment because it's Pirlo. I mean, no one would doubt his footballing skills or understanding of the game. Um, I'll hand you over to Will. Uh, did you have a question for Sheridan? I did, yes. Hi, Sheridan. Um, I'm sure you saw Inter's fantastic uh, win in the Europa League quarterfinals against Bayer Leverkusen uh, on Monday evening. But... Uh, and uh, a performance that felt like a bit of a statement and uh, really put them in contention to win this tournament. So with with the possibility of Inter winning the Europa League in mind, I, I just wanted to ask you about a debate that we were having on this show a couple of weeks ago about Antonio Conte 
Um, obviously, we don't quite know at this stage whether he's uh, going to stay or not. We're going to have to wait for this uh, infamous face to face meeting whenever it can happen after the end of the season. But uh, I was interested a couple of weeks ago when Mo this Pod said that uh, he thought that if Inter won the Europa League, that would increase the chances that he left. Um, and I think, can you correct if I'm wrong, you also said that you agreed with that as well. Um, so, Sherrod, I just wanted to know, do you think that Inter's um, winning of the Europa League could, could change the future of uh, Antonio Conte's career or whether uh, it's going to be simply about whether they can thrash out their differences when they sit down after the season ends? Well, that's a hell of a question. I think it's very Inter-Easter to assume you've already won it. So, well done on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I think, I'll tell you one thing that's not massively relevant to your question, but... Um, <laughs> What I love about the Europa League and not the Champions League is the Europa League is linear. It's like a computer game because each level you get a harder team. In the Champions League, you can face someone really tough in the round of 16. Then you can face a completely, you know, um, flimsy team in the quarterfinals, the semifinals. Well, that's not the case in the Europa League. So I think Inter, for me, they did struggle a bit against uh, Leverkusen. And their semi-final will be a lot harder than that. And by definition, the final will be even harder. So I would say um, you're better off playing Shakhtar Donetsk than than, than, than uh, Basil, obviously. Uh, if they were to win it, it wouldn't surprise me in a sense that many of the younger listeners to this podcast might not know. But for, in the 90s, it was Inter's competition. If they weren't winning the... Uh, old version the UEFA Cup they were losing on the uh, they were losing on penalties in the final um, so Inter have got history they love this trophy I would say Inter respect this trophy so I think they've got a good chance as for whether Conte would sort of pop the trophy on the table after the match at the press conference and say I've done my job and 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 sort of flounce out that would be hilarious to see but um, <laughs> no I, th- I think he I think he wants to win the league with Inter, I think he wants to bring the, the Scudetto trophy, as it were, back to this city, back to Milan. So I, I think he'll stay, but I think that the board are probably already thinking this time next year it might be it might be a proper goodbye because he did, as as Nima and I have discussed several times, he did make a bit of a an exhibition of himself towards the end of the domestic season and act like a bit of a baby. But you that's what you get with Antonio Conte. You get you get a sort of a, a defined, muscular, um, strangely um, strangely haired crybaby. Um, Mo, did you have a question for Sheridan? First, I'd just like to set the record straight. I never said the... Uh, 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 after uh, would, like the overall likelihood would be high, uh, should Inter win? I think the likelihood would increase, but I think overall on the balance of things, we're probably got we're probably seeing Conte next season on the bench. But uh, yeah. that's uh, just to get that out of the way. My question to you, uh, Sheridan, is um, uh, regarding uh, Juve uh, We've been hearing talk about maybe uh, Pirlo coveting uh, Tonali and wanting an image of himself in his own midfield. Do you reckon that this is something that's realistic? Are they going to really pull a U-turn? And we're going to see them fight it out with Inter and possibly Milan for uh, Tonali uh, over the summer? The truth is, I wouldn't be surprised because young Italian players 
tend to go to Inter, uh, sorry Juventus. It doesn't always work out. I mean, look at Bernadeschi. Look at the rumoured move for Chiesa. Uh, Tonali's gone on record saying that he sees himself as more of a Gattuso than a Pirlo. But the other thing that uh, people haven't really mentioned about Pirlo being hired by Juventus is that they will be able to attract some really good players. Because imagine you're a young Italian player like Zaniolo or like Tonali, and Pirlo phones you up and says, do you want to come and play for me for the most successful Italian t- uh, side ever? It's a real draw. So I would say the chance, I would say it's not as as sure now that Tonali will go to uh, go to Inter. Uh, I just think it's such a massive draw, just like Zidane going to uh, Real Madrid was. So many people grew up watching loving Zidane and either stayed with Real Madrid like Karim Benzema or they joined Real Madrid so I, I, I would say Tonali Tonali I think this Pirlo situation has changed the landscape in terms of exciting Italian talent because as I say if you're on the beach on holiday and Andrea Pirlo phones you up you're going to probably be very excited yeah uh, <laughs> what well, there remains to be seen Mike did you have a question for Sheridan yeah, that I, uh, that I think kind of leads into what I was going to ask you, which is a little bit broader just on transfers. Um, whether it's Asandro Tonali, whether it's something else, do you see Andrea Pirlo sort of changing Juventus' directive in the market this summer? And if so, what what's left to do? Obviously, there's you know there's the big Artur Pjanic swap. Uh, Kulusevski is coming in. So, you know, stands to reason that maybe the two biggest purchases are already done. But what do you expect Juventus to be doing in the market? And, you know, for a team that, there has been some questions about how much cash flow they have, and now you're paying off Maurizio Sarri. How do they, you know, how do they plan on funding this? You know, are you expecting something bigger and you know a big outgoing amount of sales? Are you expecting a few tweaks now that the the two big signings are done? What do you what do you anticipate before next season starts? Well, I would certainly say that they need to get some creativity in midfield, and I think they'll get they'll need to buy a centre forward or get a centre forward. Uh, who's out of contract, uh, maybe from the south of Italy in light blue. Um, I, I just think that uh, Iguain could be near the exit. Matuidi's already sort of said that he's on the way out. Federico Bernardeschi, his days might be numbered. So I think Pirlo, the defence, one thing about this Juventus is they don't have to touch central defence. De Ligt and Demiral are fantastic for the future. Chiellin has got another season in him. Bonucci as well, but they do need some creativity and they need a new number nine, a new centre forward. One of the things about Inter, because I know this is an Inter podcast, Inter yesterday showed the value of having a real number nine. It's great fun seeing Falso Nueves or seeing number nines who do, you know, are good team players and, and they've got a good light touch and they bring others in but never score. That's fine, but there is maybe something to be said. Maybe it will come back into fashion to have a number nine who does all that and also scores loads of goals. And I have to say, I'm really pleased for Romelu Lukaku, um, uh, Romelu Lukaku, because he is a number nine who bullies the man who's marking him and he scores goals and he scores loads of goals and important goals. And I think Juventus would like some of that. Mm, yes, I uh, couldn't agree. I mean, I, I wanted to ask you about this Cristiano Ronaldo thing because one of the part. I mean, one of the one of the things that you know, you know, we see, we've heard about Kedira, Matuidi, 
Gonzalo Higuain, etc., etc. A lot of you know that they want to offload a lot of these players and build rebuild young and uh, and and this is classic Juve. It's not the first time in history they would have sold a big name player like Zidane uh, to 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 not win the Scudetto next year, but then win the next three the day the year after that. Um, do you because and selling Ronaldo would would create a would save them an enormous amount of money plus as well as all any transfer fee they get for him. Uh, do you, do you, do you think he'll stay next season at Juve? Well, that is the big question. I mean, it's really hard to say. To be quite honest, he doesn't really say much about his situation, and nor would he. By the way, it reminds me of the old phrase. It reminds me of the old anecdote about the guy who gets fired, and his he says to his boss, "But you you didn't say to me you were going to fire me before Christmas." And his boss says to you. Well, I'm hardly going to come up to you and say, oh, I'm thinking of firing you, but we'll wait till Christmas. So, you know, Ronaldo is hardly going to come out and say, oh, I'm thinking of leaving. Uh, he's a massive draw. He's done wonders for the Juventus brand, but his salary is huge. And it might mean that others have to move out uh, to try and balance the books. Uh, but I, I think he was, you know, Juve's best player last season. So I, I think he'll do... I think he'll fin- he'll finish this the next season. I think he'll do one more season for Juventus, and then I think three years will be uh, will have been a good partnership for everybody involved. Mm, a good point. Um, the, well, I'd like to thank you for coming on, Sheridan. I also wanted to. I will, I will, this is the point usually where I ask our guests to plug something and say if people want to follow them on Twitter. But you removed yourself from Twitter, so I don't. Um, so I'll, I'll just leave the floor and say, uh, what can people expect from you? Are you going to do the? Are you going to do Uva TV next season? What, what are you going to do? <laughs> what what, yeah. what, is, what happens <laughs> next in the world of Sheridan? Well. Um, holiday um no jokes aside yeah i did get rid of twitter because i found it neither uh informative or entertaining and that's yeah that should be the idea of life if you're not being entertained you should be being informed if you can be both at the same time shawadi wadi great stuff um <laughs> yeah i mean for, like i say it's a bit weird asking people to pay money for Juventus tv on an into podcast but that's where <laughs> my, you know it's a bit masochistic although i know in lots of countries across the world people do have more than one team in la liga Serie A, the Premier League. But uh, yeah, my commentaries will still be in English on uh, Eventus Television, which is, has lots of great content, but not if you're an Inter fan. And I, <laughs> I, and I will still, you know, pop up doing writing here and there. But uh, for now, the main thing is just to, uh, you know, the matches, the commentaries are finished until sort of mid to late September when the season starts again. So in theory, um, it's holiday time. And, you know, I want to be as stylish and uh, as um, bohemian during my holidays as, as you are, Nima, in a normal <laughs> life. Thank you very much, Sheridan. As always, a pleasure. Uh, thanks for coming on. <laughs> Cheers. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a, nice, hey. uh, have a nice summer, everyone. Thanks, Sheridan. You too. And well done. I know how much hard work you guys have done and during to commentate in this intense manner these past few weeks must have been, must have been a lot of work. So well done. Enjoy your holiday. Cheers. Bye, everybody. Ciao. Right, um, let's talk about the game against Bayer Leverkusen because that was uh, that was one of the most crazy, like one of the craziest, uh, uh, one of the craziest uh, inter pazza inter performances ever. It was an orgy of missed chances. Um, I was I was I was tweeting with you Mo yesterday that um, we were you know this this had this reminded me of Schalke in the UEFA Cup final '97, a game that Inter really should have won and dominated dominated but could not score to save their lives and I thought I really really thought it was going to end in tears because the, the, the amount of chances they missed 
Um, I'm, I'm keen to hear what you think, Mo. I mean, now, now that you've got 24 hours distance to it, what do you make of that? I mean, do you think, do you still think Inter can go all the way and win the Europa League? Yeah, no, I think, I, I think we absolutely, absolutely can. Um, I look, I don't want to jinx it, but, uh, but I think yesterday's game was absolutely fantastic. I think it's one of those things where we're on the edge of our seat and we're super tense because we've got so much invested into the game. But, uh, I reckon if we were to watch the game, uh, you know, with some distance and uh, distance between us and, and, and the final uh, whistle, you'd see that it was actually not that close. I mean, we really, the, Handanovic really wasn't threatened that much. I think against Getafe, uh, it was actually far, they, Getafe had, had much more um, uh, serious chances than, uh, than Leverkusen did, albeit they had that goal and then that cross that... Uh, you know, uh, flashed in front of Havertz and uh, and uh, unbelievably, uh, Defray like managed to retract his uh, extended leg in the last second. Otherwise, he'd probably score an own goal. It was masterful, masterful from the from the Dutchman. But I think, yeah, I think uh, it it was it was very frustrating because we'd seen that tape so many times before. We'd seen that movie before in the Serie A. Uh, chances created, chances created, and then. Towards the end, we just concede. But I think, uh, and, I, and I tweeted this yesterday, I think the way they had managed the last 10 minutes of the first half was very telling of how mature the team has become in the last few weeks for some reason. I don't know, I don't know if this is a conscious maturity or it just so happens to be the case. But the, the way the last 10 or, 10 or 15 minutes of the first half were managed, when like, the legs were gone, when they were panting, were gasping for breath, and, and when it was clear that their fitness was far below Leverkusen's was very mature and I think they managed the second half in a very similar way after like the 30th minute or so uh, especially in light of Sanchez's uh, thigh injury his uh, his hamstring injury and coming back on all wrapped up so just uh, the long this is a very long-winded uh, way of saying I think it wasn't as close as we thought it was while watching it and I still believe that having seen what what we've seen about from other teams I still think that you know, probably Sevilla are the most dangerous, but even then, I think Conte's while is 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 enough. While and guile is enough to uh, to outsmart Lopetegui. So, so this is the short answer. Mm. Will, do you agree with that? Do you think do you think that Inter were were that, that it, it looked worse to us just because we're Inter fans and used to to them doing this to us and torturing us, or do you think that there was a, there's actually it was pretty close and Inter. You know, maybe Inter needed this to kind of, you know, to 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 win despite not, you know, not for, in, maybe Inter needed to do not to do an Inter and win for once as opposed to bottling it. Where you? Well, you'd think that that Mo and I had been sort of setting up our, our comments before the game because, funnily enough, today I did watch the game again with uh, the knowledge of the full-time result to to find out exactly that. Because the, a lot of the talk in the, the post game last night was about how if it had been five one, then it would have been a fair score, that, and that it was much more nervy than it should have done. And I couldn't really test that live because it was very tense. This was a big deal. Um, but I have the gift of time at the moment. I suppose a lot of us do at the moment. And so uh, I watched the game again, and effectively, yes, Bayer Leverkusen hardly created a thing in the second half. They had two moments that I, I noted was that one was the the shot from ha- that Handanovic saved uh, from Demir Bay, but that was very central and not a not a ridiculous save one you'd expect him to make uh, and then the other one was um 
a cross that came in where Kai Havertz missed it by a, by an inch and then Volum didn't um, didn't get it at the far post. But other than that, there was a lot of possession in Inter's half, a lot of crossing. But actually, the 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 game management I thought personally was a lot better than against Hitafe, where Inter were very deep with 15, 20 minutes to go, gave away a penalty. Uh, were led off on a couple of occasions, I thought, by, frankly, Getafe not being very good and being extremely limited in terms of the quality of their attacking players. Whereas I felt a lot more confident coming out of this game. Uh, you know, it should have been a lot easier. But the fact that it wasn't and that you won anyway is in itself a good sign. You know, a, a, a more, a more we- a weaker team, maybe mentally, would have would have had trouble having gone 2-0 up, then had a great chance to make it 3-0. Immediately, you conceded a goal um, to make it 2-1. Then you get a penalty immediately afterwards, which is then taken off by VAR. And so after a, a five-minute spell in which you could have been 3-0 or 3-1 up, you're still 2-1 up. Um, and by Leverkusen are coming into the game. So that was a real test. Uh, and I think we passed it very well. I thought that, funnily enough, more than the, the final 10 minutes of the first half, I was impressed with the final 10 minutes of the second half because there wasn't much going on, really. Uh, it was mainly us that was, go- that was going forward. Um, but Conte made some good changes in the second half. He made them a little bit earlier than he does normally. Um, bringing on Ericsson with half an hour left, bringing on Sanchez with 25 minutes left. And I think they, they had the desired effect. So, yeah, it was, it was nervy, of course, because it's, once it's, when it's a one-goal lead, you never know what's going to happen, especially with the amount of points that have been dropped from winning positions this year. But if that, was, if that was a match played by a team that hadn't dropped that many points this season, I think we wouldn't necessarily have been as fatalistic heading into the last half an hour. Because, frankly... Inter were on another level to Leverkusen, I thought. They created so much more. I wasn't necessarily expecting that going in. I think I said it was a toss of a coin on our last pod. So I was very presently surprised with how much better the performance was. Um, felt like a bit of a statement, uh, much more than the, the game against Hitafe, at least as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, I, I'm not certain that we're going to win the Europa League. Um, I, didn't, I didn't mean to say that earlier when I was asking Sheridan the question. So I'm not assuming that we're going to win it by any means. Um, I'm probably still the most pessimistic of, of all of us if we're going to do a, t- a league table of that. But I felt definitely more confident after this match because that looked like a team that that had a very clear objective in, in its mind. It was not going to be a team that's happy just to reach the semi-final. You know, they put everything out there on the pitch and they are going to be a difficult match for, for anyone left in the competition. So, yeah, for once, um, I was very encouraged. And um, I mean... The thing is, I agree. I agree with a lot of things. I mean, the reasoning behind what you and most most say. I thought I thought Conte once again showed showed that he had prepared perfectly for this game. I mean, the team was perfect in terms of mentally prepared. They were prepared. They were prepared for physically, tactically, in every way. They were they were prepared and they executed that really well. But I mean, I've also rewatched that game, and although they didn't really have any shots on goal. They did. I mean, still watching this again, I was I was on the edge of my seat, and I felt that it was it was one of those. It was not luck because Inter were balanced and did well, but but it wasn't. I I didn't feel that like what you guys say that you know that that this was this was this was more us being Inter fans than than Inter actually not not you know not not being as unstable as I as I thought they were. I don't I don't know. I I'm still not entirely convinced. Uh, but Mike, what, what do you think? What do you make of it? Uh, I'm actually going to side with Will and Mo on this. Um, I felt fairly calm in the second half. And, you know, Will, just like Mo set up Will a little bit, I think Will's setting me up a bit for one of the things that I, I was most impressed by was not only 
did I, I feel like they were in control, but they were in control after making substitutions that were very proactive. We don't see Conte doing this as much recently, right? I mean, what was the going into this match? He used the same lineup he's been using recently, which is a very conservative lineup, putting D'Ambrosio on that, you know, at that right wing back spot. Essentially, once he's in there saying we're only going to attack through really the left channel in a lot of ways and sometimes the midfield. But again, without Erickson on the pitch, you don't guarantee a lot of great chances up the middle. So I was sitting here thinking, okay, well, you know, let's, I guess it's going to be the same pragmatic approach. But in the second half, Conte got more aggressive. He took out D'Ambrosio and put in uh, Victor Moses, you know, first to go in and, you know, attack more on that right channel. Erickson comes in at the same time. And when Erickson came in, I think it's important to note, I, when I saw him getting up on the, on the sideline, I was thinking, okay, well, this is, I was shocked, first of all, he went in so early. That has been a departure from the norm. But I figured, given everything we've all talked about, about how he does not trust Marcel Lebrozovic and Christian Eriksen at the same time, I figured, okay, Brozovic is going out. Instead, we got 40 minutes of the midfield that I think all of us have hoped would work, which is Brozovic and Eriksen and uh, Nicolo Barella at the same time. And I'm not going to sit here and say it was perfect. Uh, I think there's still a lot of kinks to be worked out, but it showed that it was workable. And so not only were Inter creating chances still, and in particular, I mean, the one that stands out to me in that second half was that pass that in the 65th minute that Erickson plays to Sanchez. I mean, whew, that there hasn't been a guy since Schneider on this club that could make it that pass. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful, absolutely, absolutely beautiful. It was delicious so, to watch. Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. And I mean, it's just you know, just a little tease of what could be coming. Um, and sure. so the fact that Inter didn't concede an easy goal and they stayed in control, they were still creating chances. They should have been more clinical, but they created these chances. But, you know, on the strength of Conte making changes that are less defensively oriented, that builds a lot of confidence in me. And I think the big picture change beyond just that for why I feel a little bit better in general, and I think, you know, he deserves some credit, is Diego Godin. Uh, he, he's been much better since the restart. And I think through a lot of this season, for better or for worse, that right side of that three-man defense um, – it's been a question mark. You know, I think we all have wanted Milan Skriniar to work there. It's just in some matches it has, there have some matches it haven't. Uh, D'Ambrosio got a little bit of time there. Godin doesn't look like vintage, maybe best center back in the world, Godin, but he looks solid and he's looking comfortable and clearly Conte trusts him. And I think the, him back there with DeVry, with Bastoni, makes me feel pretty good um, about where that back three is at. So I think watching that match, just feeling a little bit better in the bigger picture that this back three can work for at least the rest of the way. And then just, I think the overall security and the presence of mind that, you know, the team had and that Conte had to trust this team to put in more proactive, you know, substitutions to go after it a little more instead of just sitting back and hanging back. And, you know, I think that helped too, because if he just sat there and turtled up a little bit and just said, well, we'll lean on the defense, but we're going to sit there and, you know, just wait this out. I probably would have panicked a little more, but I was sitting there going, you know what, at the end of the day, I mean, it's, even if even if uh, Leverkusen are getting chances, if all they have to do is stop it and there's a decent chance going forward that something is going to happen. Because if they created that many chances and scored in the first half, even though they didn't get that third goal, I was absolutely thinking, okay, there is a third goal to come in this half because there's just too much firepower and there's just too much attack and momentum for something not to happen. I mean, that's a, that's a really good point because, well, tell you what, uh, not, you know, when I think about it, I think maybe what I, what was bothering me is the fact that I've been, I, I, I think I've been carrying the luggage of the entire season with me when going into this game. And I think one of the things that really annoyed me is how Inter constantly concede on the first shot. I mean, it feels that way. And I've looked the stats up 
Uh, it's it's uh, well, I was gonna look the stats up, but I didn't have time to. But I, I saw something online that this is something this is something like sixty percent of all the goals we've scored, or all the goals we've conceded, is first shots on target. That bothers me, and the fact that Diego Godin again played him on side. Although I mean, you're absolutely right, Mike. He's way better than he's been before. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He even said so himself post game that. You know, I after playing 20 years in one way with Atletico Madrid and Uruguay, I'm, I've been forced to learn something completely new here at Inter, and 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 I'm finally starting to understand what he means, what he wants me to do, and that's all great. But I think the fact that you know Inter started the game off well, as they always do, they scored in the beginning of the games as they've always done this season, and then immediately the first game, the first shot on goal was conceded, not because I, I can't blame Handanovic for that, because if your defense leaves. You know, leaves you alone with with a, with a striker of Kai Havertz caliber one meter away from the goal. He's going to score. I mean, he 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 has no he has no chance to to react to that. And Godin obviously played Kai Havertz Kai Havertz on side there. So I don't know. I I, I think you're I think I think you're onto something. I think maybe I've been I've been I carry the luggage with me and not just looked at this as as just this entire game. And also the the insane nature of this game. It was back and forth. That first 45 minutes was just mental, and it continued like the that. First the first half mm. hour in particular. Yeah, was, I mean it was it was, it was, like it was a back. rocky. It was a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really really was, and I think that that kind of put me that kind of you know it it it, 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 it kind of you know made me a little bit insecure. And, and, and going forward so I don't know but I still think fan, you have to be insecure it's part of the package <laughs> yeah that's, that's very much that's a very good point uh but but no I mean but but having said that I still think I I don't know why um I mean I'm I think that I still think Inter are going to win but I think that the challenge lies in the semi-final I don't, I don't I think it doesn't matter if it's Man United or if it's Sevilla or Wolverhampton or whoever it is on the other side, it doesn't matter. I think Inter will win the final, but I think the trap game is against Shakhtar, who are leading 2-0 against Basel, much to my dismay, because Ricky van Wolfswinkel plays for Basel, and I like saying Ricky van Wolfswinkel. Uh, and they're 2-0 they're down. So it's going to be Shakhtar, most likely. And I think that is going to be a really tricky game, because if, the, if they're anything to go by, they are... They they are masters of hurting clubs who make mistakes defensively and ex- leave their midfield exposed. And against Bayer Leverkusen, Inter kind of did that. Um, so, I mean, just assuming now, Mo, that we're playing Shakhtar Donetsk, do you, do you, do you, do you agree with my analysis there? Or do you, what's your thought there going into that game? Look, look, I think I agree with you in the sense that uh, for sure uh, Shakhtar are the tougher side uh, between them and Basel. Uh, but I also kind of think that it's nice to be playing Shakhtar, the more obviously dangerous side, because uh, we're less at risk of taking, you know, when you when you come so close to the final, a lot of psychology comes into play. And you're always at risk in a semifinal of, you know, especially if it's a, a, a you know, quote unquote, an easy semifinal of, uh, losing sight of the uh, taking your eyes off the ball and, and and you know taking it as a foregone conclusion that you're in the final. So I think playing against a, a, a tougher side, a clearly a difficult side that everyone is is weary of, like Shakhtar, is you know is good for the mentality. It's good for the preparation. And we always say that Conte is a man who knows how to set up a team given a week. And now we have a full week for the first time in in months, a full week to prepare for the game. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still worried about Sevilla in the final. 
if, if it is, I mean, if we do in fact, you know, uh, beat uh, Shakhtar and reach the final, I would still be weary of Sevilla. Anyone else, I think our chances would be quite strong. But yeah, that's where I stand. Mm. Will, where are you on this? Uh, I don't know if Shakhtar are a harder match than Sevilla or, or Manchester United. I don't think there's a huge difference in terms of the level of difficulty. Uh, I'd be more interested in the psychological approach to a first European semi-final in 10 years and, and a, how we'd approach mentally the, the eventual final. I Honestly, we haven't seen Inter in a final for, what, uh, nine years. So I don't feel like I even have the data to analyse that. In terms of Shakhtar themselves, assuming that they, they don't collapse in the second half against Basel while we're recording this podcast, they are a reasonably similar team from what I could see to Bayer Leverkusen, perhaps with a little bit less, um, shall we say, ridiculousness at the back. Um, so you might not get as many chances against Bayer, um, against Shakhtar as you do against uh, Bayer Leverkusen, who uh, are weak at the back as it is and then lost Sven Bender in the warm-up. Um, so it was always going to be um, uh, a difficult game for them in terms of defending. They've got a lot of Brazilian players, Shakhtar, I know. Tyson is a player that's been linked to European clubs for for, for several years. Marlos is good. Junior Moraes has scored this evening. Uh, Marcos Antonio I'm, apparently is a very good player as well. Um, one of the most promising players in this Europa League season so far. So it's not by no means an easy game. And there is always a chance with the side from, you know, not one of the traditional sort of five or six powerhouse leagues that you do underestimate it because they're from, because they're from Ukraine, because they get less exposure uh, and because, you know, in, um, they're not necessarily a glamorous name. But I don't think Conte and his players will fall into that trap. It'll be a good game. It's not easy. I think we're the favourites. Um, I think we can definitely score goals against them. Um, and so I think it, it may come down to being able to take one or two more chances than uh, than we did against Bayer Leverkusen because, um, you know, they were particularly, um, should we say, charitable uh, in defence at times. Um, having said that, let's remember that it's it's our inability to kill off games that's the reason we're in the Europa League in the first place. Because if we killed off games off against Dortmund and Barcelona, we'd be... We probably have gone out in the Champions League. So if no, that's the, not true. The reason we we're out of the Champions League is because we bought players from Cagliari and Sassuolo as opposed to oh, Real Madrid and Barcelona. Sorry, sorry, scratch. Sorry, that, scratch I will never, I will never, ever let go. Um, I will never be able to let that go. Well, sorry. let's. Can I can I use that as a segue? Because there are yes, a lot of um, yes. there are a lot of I've actually got sort of four or five players that I think um, would be worth a comment. We've already talked about Godin, so I won't do that. Um, but. You know, Barella, I thought, was, was incredible uh, in that game against Bayer Leverkusen. He, you know, Lukaku himself said in his post-match interview very generously he, that he thought he was the man of the match, uh, which sort of um, is another example of how he's always looking out for his teammates, both on the pitch and, and off it. But, no, he was extraordinary. I mean, the, the, it's almost as if when, the, when everyone else is tiring towards the end of games, he sort of dips into this sort of surplus energy tank and continues it was it to go forward. It was, for me, yeah. that he was vintage Stankovic. It was unbelievable. It was so nice to see. I loved it. Really did. Yeah. Really, what I loved really about great. it, too, is that it was such a textbook example of a player who, he's 23, just turned 23, mm. You can see just how, when he's 25, how much better he's going to be because he yeah. only knows one speed now. He goes pedal to the metal all the time, and I absolutely love it. I mean, some of the running he was doing in the 93rd minute was just ridiculous. But <laughs> once he slows down, once he you know takes a breath, once he stops, you know, at yesterday's yellow I thought was ridiculous. But in general, I mean, he has picked up cards. Once he slows in a little bit of these challenges, once he you know gets a little less out of his head, a little less fiery and just, I mean, that guy's 80th percentile gear is still faster and more intense than those players. So you could just yeah. see already, as good as he is, once he just the, the game comes to him a little more, he's going to be unbelievable. 
I mean, I thought the brilliant what we're speaking about him and his reckless challenges when Christian Eriksen this past week said that every time Barella goes into a challenge, he has a heart attack and thinks he's going to get sent off. I mean, that's how the players <laughs> feel they're playing with him. And it is. Hey, it looks hey, like Eric, Eriksen already knows the standard of refereeing in Serie A. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> clearly. Yeah, let's blame it on that. No, but I mean, we have to speak about Alexis Sanchez. I mean, when if if you can clone someone's attitude and show, talk about wanting to be at Inter, talking about wanting to be there. His, he pulled his, I think his right thigh or was it hamstring? Um, and he, you know, it was almost as if Conte was taping him together himself and sending him back out there. I mean, it's like, it's like having Conte's attitude on the pitch when Alexis Sanchez plays there. I mean, that's going to be a massive blow to Inter's chances. I, I really think so. And, and I hope he recovers. We don't know how serious it is, but he's got he's out for at least two weeks, isn't he? I mean, can we? What do you think, Mo? I mean, can we easily just discard Alexis now from 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 the rest of the season or the like, remainder of the week, so as so as it were? I think it's a any any muscular injury injury is always uh, always worrisome because you know they they might not be that serious, but they're they take they need to take their time for recovery. But I think maybe maybe uh, maybe bets will be made. You know, we lose them. For the semi-final, but we put him in uh, on the on the bench in the final if necessary, and uh, you know uh, do a hail mary and throw him in in the last 15 minutes if required. So I don't know. I think it's uh, of all the things we've spoken about, I think uh, it's probably the least of our concerns. I think uh, you know, assuming of course that both Lukaku and uh, Lautaro maintain their fitness, uh, along with uh, Moses, who can uh, you know sort of fill in in a in a in the near. Uh, Orbit's region of a center forward. I think I think we're okay there. Uh, it's the the midfield trio that we've spoken about. Uh, you know, that, that, that's that, that's the area that I would be most concerned in losing in losing form or fitness at the moment. I think uh, Sanchez, as as amazing of a gladiator he's been and a, and a huge, you know, like you said, you know, he's really demonstrated how the 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 willingness and the desire to play for Inter and desire to play for Conte. Uh, he is one of those players that hopefully will not need to miss too much in the last uh, two games. Mm, hope so. Um, right. Well, um, before we go, uh, before we move on, I'd like to. Oh, I just wanted to, you know, it's, it, assuming it's going to be Shakhtar, I'm going to ask for a prediction. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Will. What do you think? Um, I will go with the same result that we got in the quarterfinal, 2-1. I don't think it will be close. Um, so I don't think it will be comfortable by any means. I think it, I actually think it will be a fairly similar game. Um, so I just hope that we end up on the right side of it again. Um, and then uh, I don't care who we get in the final. Because if, if we're worrying about who we've got in the final, that means we've got to the final. So yeah, 2-1 yeah. <laughs> exactly. the time. That's a brilliant circular argument. Um, no, reasoning logic, I love it. No, but uh, will do you think uh, Lukaku will score his his 10th, will score for the 10th consecutive <laughs> game in a in Europa League game? It's a very strange stat, isn't it? I, I Personally, I'm not that sort of blown away by it because it, it kind of spans two or three years. It feels a little bit artificial as, in terms of a stat, also because the Europa League is not the pinnacle of, yeah. you know, if, if it had been 10 consecutive Champions League games, that would be something good. But no, obviously, like, I, I think the, the stat that impresses me more is 31 goals in the season. And uh, yeah. just the, uh, the absolutely extraordinary performance again he put in in this game. You know, I remember that uh, last summer there was a headline on Gazetta that said, is this man really worth 80 million euros? Yeah. I think the answer is yes. no, he's worth more than that. Yeah, exactly. um, yes. So, but he was, he was absolutely ridiculous today. I mean, he spoke, he speaks incredibly well off the pitch. 
he's he's the guy that they go to when things are, are going a bit shaky on the pitch. Whenever Inter in trouble, they'll look for him. He took he took more kicks than Maradona in the '86 World Cup last night. You know, he was <laughs> he was bullying everyone with his back to goal. Scored a brilliant goal, even though he'd been fouled and should have won a penalty. The referee did well to play advantage there, but absolutely remarkable. We were told um, we were told that he can't link up. We were told that he can't. He can't win the ball. He can't hold up the ball. We were told that his first touch is crap. There was a lot of things we were told by 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 Premier League geniuses, but they were all wrong. Um, so you know, make of that what you will. I mean, I I, I have a I, I have nothing but the utmost respect for that man on and off the pitch. The way he, the way he is, he just spreads positivity around him. It's just you know, wow. I mean, in every way he's handled himself, he's just been world class. He's an ambassador to, for the Serie A, not just Inter. So, no, I couldn't agree with you more. Mike, what's your prediction? I'm going to go with, you know, Will stole a little bit of my thunder there. I'm going to say 2-1. Um, at the end of the day, I do think this is a tougher team uh, than Bayer Leverkusen. But I do think this isn't a more talented team than Bayer Leverkusen. And I do exactly. think it says exactly. something about where Inter are right now that, They've been winning. They've been beating teams they should be beating. And look, they, you know, especially if let's say they beat Donetsk and it's Sevilla in the final, for instance. Well, then you just played the best player you're going to play the rest of the way in Kai Havertz, you know, because Donetsk, for all the talent they have, they don't have somebody like that. Inter did a great job apart from that one error of shutting him down for the most part. Um, I do think at the end of the day, talent wins out. I think form wins out here. Um, and I think, you know, I wouldn't be shocked uh, if there's, a, you know, there's some unexpected lineup changes. I think Conte really set the table for the fact that, you know, by playing Ericsson, you know, in that midfield three for 40 something minutes, he either greased the wheel to make the Nets have to think about that and have to prepare for that. Or he could be warming him up to say, OK, you went 40 this time. You're going to go 60 something next time. So I think there's just too much skill here. I think Inter just in too much form. And. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a thousand percent convinced they're going to win the final because, you know, this is essentially Sevilla's home competition for the last 15 years. And, uh, you know, Manchester United is Manchester United. There's a lot of talent and there's a lot of uh, propensity to get some penalties they shouldn't. So we'll see about the final if they get to the final. But I do think this is a match they should be winning. Yeah. OK. And Mo, what about you? I will uh, I will think uh, it matches probably a Hepafesque. Uh, uh, 3-1 in the sense that uh, the score might be a little uh, bit, uh, you know, in our, uh, you know, lying in our favor. I, I, I think uh, we're going to concede, but I think we're also going to score more than just two goals because of the fact that we're more well-rested, uh, more cognizant of the fact that they need to take their chances more, uh, more uh, necessary in terms, to, in terms of being clinical. So I reckon maybe it's the same scenario of uh, a 2-1 at halftime, and then Shakhtar are chasing the game. We shut them down and then score a third in uh, the second half, right towards the end to uh, calm everyone's nerves down. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with 3-1. I'm going to go with 3-1. I think this is, um, I think uh, it's going to be tough, but I think this is, the, it's going to be similar. Yeah, I think it's going to be a similar, uh, the match is going to look similar to how it looked a little bit like against Getafe, but they're, these guys are a little bit better. I think they're going to make life very difficult for Inter, uh, and I think they're going, to, they're going to score, but I do think that Inter will score a goal at the end and then get to the final. Right, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute with Pizarro and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the negativity, this week's Moji, which will be presented by Mr. Mike Pilucci. 
week. So I don't have too, too many complaints. I don't have anything that I'm going to really rant about. I don't even have a person I'm going to rant about. I'm just going to rant about five little words or some variation of these five words. The five words are this. Enter lead for Sandro Tonali. I have read this headline for four months. I have known that they have agreed to personal terms with Sandro Tonali through his agent for four months. <laughs> and yet for four months, I read this headline and I see no deal being done. And I see scenarios in which, oh, Milan doesn't want Ragnic anymore. Well, I guess they'll have money to spend. Maybe they want to go back in the race for Sandro Tonali. Oh, Juventus hiring Andrea Pirlo. Did you know that he's a great Italian midfielder? Maybe Sandro Tonali will like playing for Juventus. I don't know if any of this is true. What I do know is that any of it is plausible because Beppe has not cut the check. And I understand that Beppe Morata is great at his job. I still feel like at the end of the day, this gets done and all of my worrying is for nothing. But when it comes to the future heartbeat of Italy's midfield, pay an extra 5 million euros. No one will remember this when he has 80 caps for Italy when yeah. he retires. When he Just get yeah. a deal done Dumb. before yeah. I have an aneurysm because <laughs> I can't do it much longer, guys. I really, really can't. Amen. Preach, Reverend Mike. Right. Uh, let's move on to something much more positive. This week's Moratti, which we presented by Mr. Mohamed Nassar. He's, he works a lot. He's intelligent and... Uh, he surprised uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. Yeah, so this week is uh, full of positivity, uh, a lot to choose from. So I'm going to pick uh, not one but two uh, Maratis. The first Marathi pertain, uh, pertaining to the game yesterday. And I think it's uh, something, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, like Mike did, uh, not a person, but a certain sensation. Um, this The sense of a team. We haven't seen the sense of a team. Ericsson tracking back, covering covering Moses on the right back uh, position. Uh, Sanchez getting bundled, bandaged up and, and shoved back on the pitch willingly. Um, Godin looking like he's 26, not 36 or 34, whatever, however old he is. Uh, Lukaku, Barella, you know, it's a sense of unity, unified cause and the team. I think this is one of the best things that I've taken away from the match yesterday. Um, so this is this is one thing, and then the second thing is a bit of a selfish, you know, pat on the back, but well, not a selfish pat on the back, but uh, maybe a thank you to, to the people who listen to the show. Uh, the last few weeks, uh, for some, for whatever reason, I've been uh, looking at uh, the YouTube uh, YouTube Comment. links of the, the podcast when it goes up, yeah, and the comments have been so amazing. Like I, I got to thank everyone who's got to put up a comment there. It, it's so nice to hear that you guys are enjoying the show. It sometimes feels like feels like you're talking into a vacuum. And when we hear back uh, good feedback or bad feedback, but any feedback is always lovely. So thank you very much to everyone who's, who's run out of the way and put up a comment, especially a positive one for us. Yeah. So yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, it's here, here. It's been like that. I got to say, you have, thanks for making that point, Mo, because it's been like that for quite some time now on, on a lot of uh, platforms. And and please, don't, please, dear listeners, don't think that we take that for granted at all. We really, really appreciate to hear from you. And the fact that you like what we do is just even more. And and the listeners, the listener numbers are going, you know, we're, we've never had as many listeners as we have now and subscribers. And, and the love we feel from you guys is just, you know, very humbling, and, and, and we're very grateful for that. Right, let's move on to something much more comical. This week's uh, Frog, which we presented by Mr. William Beckham. E clamoroso, autogol di Ranocchia!
Yes, this week's frog is nothing to do with Inter the Europa League or, or uh, football, actually. Um, although I was tempted to to uh, to award it to um, anyone who thought that Christian Eriksen wasn't a world-class footballer because, uh, wow, uh, he came on and uh, painted football for half an hour in that game against Leverkusen. So I'm still reeling from that. But the frog of the week is actually Carol Kirkwood, who most people probably haven't heard of. Um, she is a, a weather <laughs> presenter for BBC News and uh, she was presenting for their breakfast show on uh, Monday morning at 8am in uh, Greenwich Park, which actually is quite close to where I am here in South London. Um, she always finds a picturesque spot to deliver the, the weather forecast in the morning <laughs> and uh, they threw to her. And uh, she was looking at the, the lovely Greenwich, the lovely morning sky, the sort of empty uh, grass behind her at the top of the hill and she said good morning everyone welcome to Greenwich Park it's looking lovely here and she'd seen some some dog walkers and um, some people that were jogging um, sort of in the sort of in the background and she went she meant to sort of uh, give us a, a, a sort of set the scene um, for those of us who weren't able to to be at Greenwich Park on that lovely Monday morning but instead she combined the two and said by mistake that uh, she'd seen a lot of doggers in the park, oh, on, uh, in Greenwich Park, and yeah. she for those actually, who don't know what doggers are, you might want to say what that is. Go- Google it or use another. Well, don't, 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 are we, don't, should we be don't, encouraging people to Google that? I'm not sure. That's I was going to say, not Google that. I'll ask well. a friend then. Yeah, no, no, Google it at home and tell your wife or spouse about it. So on the incognito tab. Yes, um, in the on the incognito tab, and also yeah. don't do it at work or school. Or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> so, but to be to her credit, she actually she didn't flinch at all, which would have which more which is more than could be said for me. I think I would have dropped uh, dropped to the floor <laughs> and hidden myself for a month if I had said that on national television at eight a.m. when probably lots of people are having their cereal in the morning. Um, I, that's that's I, the thing about British TV that's so brilliant. When someone does that that early in the morning, it really it really everyone sees it. And, and, yeah, it and becomes... it's been and it's been shared by everyone on yes, social media in the last couple of days. So. <laughs> so embarrassing because she's a great presenter she's very lovely but now anyone who hears her name in future will think immediately of that and that's the the perils of live tv uh, you can't hide so uh yes goodness me <laughs> thanks for that um thank you're you. welcome um i'd like to well that was all your time for this week will thanks so much for coming on and for that lovely story about dog <laughs> morning um my reverend mike again you preach and i love when you do that. Uh, but to make you a little bit happy before we go, Romeo Agresti, who works for Gol Italia, uh, one of the best uh, Juventus reporters in, in, in the world, to be honest, um, he has had it confirmed from inside Juventus. He doesn't name who, but he says, high, high, high person uh, official at Juventus, that Juventus are not in the race for Sandro Tonali. Hallelujah. Yeah, uh, that, it's a rope of dope. Yeah, exactly. It's Interbeffa. Oh, yeah. They're building it up to be the Interbeffa of Interbeffa, if you want so to. I just, but I yeah. do trust Romeo. I do trust Romeo. Yeah, well. he's very well. Yeah, Can I, I just say before we leave now, I've just remembered one more thing. Um, yes. That we've had two former interplayers who've tested positive for COVID-19 this week. So we should just oh, wish them well. Wow. Ricky Alvarez yeah. and Simo Vasalico. So, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and where does Ricky Maravilla play now? I, Velez, I think, or was that where he came from before we got him? I don't know. Yeah. Nowhere relevant. Sorry, Ricky. Nowhere relevant. And I, I, I just, whenever I hear his name, I can't help but giggle at all the idiots who can said that we bought the Argentinian Kaka because Kaka was mobile and he was not. Um, right. <laughs> Closer to Kaka in the Italian language, maybe. <laughs> exactly. In, in every language, Spanish. Yeah. You know. 
Right. Um, but before this goes off the rails, I'd like to thank you, Reverend Mike, <laughs> and also you, Mr. Will Beckman and Mo Nassar. Until next week, I am your host, Nima Tavale Rutsari, wishing you a happy week, a final place in the Europa League, and sempre e solo Forza Inter. Forza Inter!